0: 19 again it's great to have Kaufman you were out but it's great to have you here Um, remember our leadership meeting on Friday at 7 p.m so remember our leadership meeting Friday at 7 p.m you should have received a letter for that no impact on this Friday because of our leadership meeting since all of our leaders will be at that meeting I don't think it's great to have all our youth come without any leadership so we won't have it power hour will be Saturday at 7 p.m so hopefully you'll be here for our church prayer on Saturday at 7 p.m., and then next Sunday is Global Missions. So it's the last Global Missions for 2018. That's hard. Last one for 2000. Wow. Time's flying by, folks. Wow. Please remember all those announcements, and for those who may have some questions, well, we will be having church tonight. (laughs) Amen. Five o'clock prayer. See you here. Our church starts at five o'clock because we start church with prayer. Amen. So if you're here at 5 for prayer, you're on time. If you're here at 5.30, you're 30 minutes late to our church. Amen. Verse Kings chapter 19. Hope I haven't missed any guests today. First Kings 19. We're going to read three verses of scripture. 19, 19. Verse Kings 19, 19. Now this message is going to be deep today. Tongue in cheek. It's going to be a very simple message today. 1 Kings 19, 9, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Seraphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And this was a sign used to call a person into the service of God because the mantle of the man of God represented the anointing the anointing of Elijah. And so when Elijah walked by and brushed it across Elisha, what he was basically saying was, I want to share my anointing with you. Yeah. I want you to be a part of what God is doing in my life. Yeah. And so that was what was going on with that. Now look at verse 20. It says, And he, Elisha, left the oxen and ran and ran ran and ran. There's a lots in just that word, ran. He didn't just walk, try to catch up with him. He ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again for what have I done to thee? Well, you did brush me with your mantle. (laughs) Number one, (laughs) And number two, that in the mantle had anointing. So when it brushed across me, I felt something that was more than just the touch of a mantle. I felt the anointing of the man of God in my life in that moment in time. Now look. And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and... I'm not going to preach on this. I'm just doing a little commentary because I'm going to preach in just a moment. But <clears throat> Now, what was he doing when Elijah found him? And what was he plying with? And when he met up with Elijah and said, I want to be with you and I'm going to follow you, he went back and he slew what? Or he burnt all the bridges. that would take him back to what he was doing before the mantle of anointing touched him. There was no returning back to the plow and the oxen because he slew the oxen. Sometimes, I'm going to preach, I'm going to read some more of this and I'm going to preach. I know you're standing, but you'll be seated for just a few moments. Sometimes our problem with the anointing of God in our life is there are some things we haven't slain before we try to take on the mantle of anointing. See, we, as I taught this morning, make unwise decisions because we need a safety net just in case this doesn't work out. I can always come back and plow in this field. But when Elisha made up his mind and knew this is the will of God, he felt the anointing, he goes back and he slays the very thing that was providing him with his job at that moment, saying, I'm committed. Somebody hearing me? Some of our problems is not what is facing us in our future but what we haven't left behind in our past. Right, yeah. right. Right. Some of the things it's not what God can overcome in our future that's given us problem it's what we're unwilling to let go of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Elisha could not maintain those oxen and follow Elijah because they were going a different direction. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. The oxen wasn't going to help him to follow Elijah. They were going to be a hindrance to take 12 oxen running around with you trying to follow the man of God. Uh (laughs) Come here, hearing what I'm preaching? And I am preaching already, hear me. And boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the... He's already starting his ministry. Why? The Lord did not come to be ministered to, the Bible says. He came to minister to others. Our job as the church is to serve others. When he went back, he started his ministry then. Because when he went back, he boiled those oxen, cut all the ties, and then he fed it to the people or he began to serve the people with what used to be his life. He used what God had already given to him up to that point to start and set a foundation for his his ministry to take off. I'm preaching already. Now get this. And they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah, and now he ministers unto the man of God. You may be seated. Thank you for being so patient. I'm going to be very simple today, very simple and elementary today. And I've already been preaching. Before I go forward into this message today, folks, there are some things that are anchoring us from the will of God. There are things in our life that we have not yet slain. There are things in our life that we have not yet given up. And even though you've spoken tongues and even though you felt an anointing into your life, you're still anchored to some things that are keeping you from following the anointing of God in your life. You may say, well, wait a minute. I don't have any sin in my life. What's the oxen sin? Now, I know some of us feel that that is a dirty four-letter word that, I can't say it, W-O-R-K. And I know some of us feel that's a dirty four-letter word. It's hard for us to say, but there is no sin in what he was doing. But it could have been a weight. It would have definitely been a hindrance because I don't think Elijah's going to say, okay, Elisha, bring the 12 oxen with you. Just in case this doesn't work out, we will have them around. No hear me some of us are going to have to put some things aside and finally I you may have been in the church 10 years and there's some things you still need to crucify yeah, can I get a witness in the house amen. see if God revealed to us everything we had to give up when we first prayed through some of us have walked out the door he right. said whoa wait that's way too much right there God okay But as God, as we walk along, God reveals to us things that we need to get out of our life. Uh Now, then, that was sermon number one. Everybody say amen. Amen. Because that's the conclusion of sermon number one. My main sermon is this The thing that changed Elisha from a plowman to a prophet was simply a decision. Everybody say a decision. Now, I don't know, but if you read that entire chapter, I don't see anywhere in the scripture where there was thunder and lightning. I don't read anywhere in there when he walked by and brushed him with that mantle that there was the earthquake. I don't find out anywhere in the scripture the moment that that the prophet wiped by, there was fire came down out of heaven. They'd do that thing later do that later. I don't see where any of those things were happening. It all started with God revealing the mantle of God. It all started with the call of God. And folks, it was just a decision made by a young man when he had received the call that transformed Elisha from a plowman to a prophet. From a man working in his father's field to a man now working in God's field. A man that was doing his father's will, now doing his heavenly father's will, and everything that made the difference was this one simple thing, and it was simply a decision. See, we look at Peter and we say, man, if I could be that. <laughs> He got to stand up in verse 14 of Acts 2 and preach the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 received the Holy Ghost. Oh, I want to be that man. And we look over in Acts chapter 3. Oh, here's Peter and John coming out, going to the temple, and they see the man lame. And he reaches down, grabs him a hand, and said, Oh, servant, go have a nun, but to it have Oh, arise and walk in the name of you. Woo! And he jumps up and runs around, leaping. Woo! I want to be Peter. Or maybe it's Acts chapter 5, and, and the Bible says, and as Peter passed by, the shadow of Peter falling on them. Oh my, all of them were, oh, I want to be Peter. Oh, I want to be Peter. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, oh, Lord God. Whew, opening up a oh, the gospel to all the Gentiles. But guess what? Do you know how the day of Pentecost sermon started? Do you know how Acts chapter 3 miracle happened? Do you know how Acts chapter 5 happened? Do you know how Acts chapter 10 happened? I could go on and on. You know how all those happened? They all started like this, with Jesus walking by and saying, follow me. All of those great things that you witness in Peter and you read in the books that he penned, hear me, it all started by one little thing, and it's called follow me. And it all started with a decision that Peter. When Peter said, okay, Lord, and followed him and left behind the nets and stuff, he didn't see the day of Pentecost. He didn't see the miracles. He didn't see what, he had no clue even who this man really was. He just knew he felt something and God had called him and I I gotta follow after him. He had to make, he had to make, he had to make it all started with simply a decision. See, some people want to make God mysterious. You, you, if you're really going to make contact with God, you're going to have to sit on a rock. Put your thumb and your third finger together. Cross your legs and hum. Hum. Become one with God. Somebody try to make, some people try to make God this deep and mysterious thing. Following God is this, oh, it's this elusive thing. You can really never find God. Nada. Following God is simply a decision we've got to make. You don't have to cross your legs and put your two, your two fingers together. Thank God for that. This seems a little weird to me, but I don't know about you, but we don't have to do those things. We don't have to say 1,000 hallelujahs as fast as we can. We don't have to do those things. You know what you have to do? You have to make a... See, it's as simple as this. Revelation, I'm not gonna preach long. Revelation 3 and 20 says this. Behold, I stand at... It starts with God making himself available to you, folks. And you may think, well, that's not really any big deal. Really? Okay, well, if it's not a big deal, you should look at John chapter 6 and verse 44. If you think that's not a big deal in Revelation where he says, I'm at the door knocking, oh, that's not a real big deal. Well, it is a big deal because John 6 and 44 says this, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So it is a real big deal in Revelation 3:20 when he says, Behold, I stand at the door. Did you realize the I is the Almighty God of heaven? He's the Redeemer, He's the one that paid the price on Calvary. He said, I am standing at your door. Well, you know, I don't know if that's really a big deal. Well, get this. <laughs> It's a real big deal when you realize that every person is represented by a door and that means that there are 7.7 billion doors that God could be standing in front of today. So then I want to ask you a question. If it's not a big deal, then why is he standing knocking on your door? Why did he pick you out of 7.7 billion doors he could have been knocking on to knock on your doors, to call you, to deal with you? Honey, it is a big deal. (laughs) Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I was raised in a church. Who he on that? It doesn't matter that you were raised in a church. You've got to have a personal call from God. He's got to stand at your door. He can't stand at mom and dad's door. It's The most important thing in location is not your location. It's God's location. It's not how close you are to the door, but it's how close God is to your door that really matters. Well, just because you're sitting on a church pew today and just because you're at church today, honey, that's not the important thing today. The important thing is, is God dealing with you today. But if you feel it, did you hear me? Somebody hear me? If you feel and you've been feeling God do some things and God's been dealing with you, you know what that was? That's God knocking on your door. You better not take it lightly and you better understand this one thing. It's the person who's on the other door that knocks. You don't knock on your door from the inside of the house. If you do, you got some mental problems and I need to talk to you if you go around your house and stand inside of your house just knocking on the door, wanting out, something's wrong with you. It's not who's knocking on the inside that matters, it's who's knocking on the outside that matters. And it's always the one on the outside that initiates the knocking. It's always God, hear me. Before you, oh, I, I came to God. No, you did not. God came to you and drew you to him. It's God knocking on your door. You hear me today, I have seen people hilt the altar and begin to cry, and boy, they're crying and crying, and they get up and say, I don't feel God. Honey, you can't just choose to, oh, I'm gonna open the door and God's gonna be there. You can open the door, but if God hadn't knocked and he's not there, he's not gonna be coming in anytime soon. You gotta make sure that when he troubles the water, you get into the water. When he knocks on the door, you better open the door. You better make yourself available to God. Can I have a witness in the house? Can I ask somebody a question here today? A very serious question here today. And I just asked you a question. Now I'm going to ask you the second one. How many times does God have to knock on our door? Yeah, she has the answer, right? It's either that she needs to go to the restroom. I don't know which one. but How many times... Does God need to knock on your door? I asked you another question. How long do you expect him to stay there knocking on your door? Oh, he'll always be there. Really? God is a God of mercy and amazing grace. But folks, his own word says this. I will not always... Somebody. What he's saying is, I won't always knock at that door. I'm going to give you an opportunity, but you know what the rest of that verse says? You got that verse in Revelation 3? He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open the door, that door, hear me, that door, that door represents anything That's between you and God. In this verse of scripture, it represents anything, folks. And I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna give an itemized list of things because everyone in this house already knows. If you're not following God, you already know what it is that's between you and God. And I could give a long, long list, but folks, it's different to different people that are in this house. For some, it's money, but to others, money doesn't matter. For some, it's relationships. other people, they say, no, that doesn't matter. For some, it's success, but the other people, it doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you, the people that are in, in this church for very long that God's been knocking on you, you know exactly what that door represents in your own personal life today. See, God has already been dealing with you And it's as clear as your own front door. How many of you have used your front door as a shield from a salesman or someone knocking at your door? Come on, raise your hand. You know, you look at the kids and say, shh, shut up. Shh, shh, be quiet. Shh, what are you thinking? Don't look out the window. Oh, you you must be your mother's child. They're like... It's a salesman. Seriously? But what are we doing? We're literally using that door as a shield to keep you from the person on the outside. I'm preaching, folks. We kept the door closed because it kept that person away from us there are things in our hearts that are keeping us away from God and this verse says they open the door everybody say open the door see I'm glad that God is using the analogy of a door see this door I'm glad that when God put that in Revelation 3 he said a door and this is important what if God would have said a steel Wall reinforced with steel. Concrete wall reinforced with steel. You know what? That's a little harder to move. I don't know, some of you, it may not be one of your brighter days today because of lack of coffee, but just take your word from your pastor. Concrete walls are harder to move than doors. Okay? So when he used the analogy of door, you guys ready for this? Watch this. wow isn't that pretty awesome wow do you see how hard it was for me to open the door god makes it so easy see we try to make it so complex and it's tough to get to god i don't know if i get no it's not oh wait 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 wait! come here you're a big strong girl I wanna see if you, you better not let me down. If you do, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw you out. You got give her a hand. Did you see that? Oh, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Can you do it the one hand door open? See if you can do it with the one hand. Oh, only a Hendrickson can do the one door. Now then, see if you can push it all the way open. Wow, look at the power, whoa. Man, she's strong. Thank you very much. Whoa. Wow. Did you see it? She opened the door with one hand. (sighs) Wow. Can somebody hear me this morning? There's no, no, no. Thank you. He needs Q tips. (laughs) Hear me. There's not a lot that separates you from doing what God wants you to do. You could say this, you almost persuaded me. I put my hand on the door. I hear what you're saying. I hear the knock. I feel it. I know you're drawing me, and I put my hand on the door, but let me tell you something. There is nothing that can keep you from God. If you make up your mind to follow God, the only thing you need to do is—you don't have to have fire come down to heaven. We don't have to have an earthquake. We don't have to have any of those things. You know what? All we need is—we all we need is a. Come on! All we need is a. All we need is a. All we need is a. The only thing that's keeping God out of some of our lives. Is a simple decision to open the door. Don't make it more complicated than it is and say it's this and it's that and it's this and it's that. Oh no, it's not. Yeah, that may be what the door is but I'm here to tell you I have an almighty God of heaven that can break every addiction in your life. Come on, I have a God in heaven that can break alcohol and drugs and immorality, everything. I have a God that when you put your hand on the door and say, hey, I'm willing to open it up let you in, I got a God that's gonna come on through and do what needs to be done in your life. Oh my God is a mighty God. My God is a saving God. Somebody clap your hands and shout it to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hear me this morning as I get ready to wrap this up. Damien comes, would you stand? As I get ready to wrap this up, the rest of that verse, put it on the screen this morning. I'm here to tell you, we got God that's on the outside of some of your lives right now. And he's doing this number, folks. We got a God that keeps knocking on the door. We got a God that keeps knocking on the door. We got a God that keeps knocking on the door. He's knocking on the door with a nail-scarred hand. He's waiting. He's wanting somebody to just take a moment, put your hand on the door handle, and push it open. It don't take much effort. All it takes is a, all it takes is a, All you gotta do is make up your mind, I'm gonna live for God. I don't care what my friends are doing. I don't care what the family is saying. I don't care what's going on in this world. I want Jesus into my life. You you gotta understand how much, you gotta understand how much God wants to come into your house. You think you want God, well you multiply it by a million. That's how much God wants to come through your door. It's God that's knocking on your door because he has a desire to fill you with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to invite you down to the altar as I close this message this morning. But I'm here to tell you, there are some people in this house that God wants to fill you with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's been a while since you spoke in tongues. But look at the verse Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any, if any, if any man, the ball's in your court. Will hear my voice and open the door. I, we're talking about the Almighty God of heaven. He says, I will come into you and I will sup with him and he with me. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Can somebody say, you know, God's been dealing with you as every eye is closed at this altar today? I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, some of you, God's asking you to move into a deeper walk with him. Some of you, it's about salvation and you being baptized and you receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost according to the word of God. Some of you, it's about a call that God has upon your life and God's wanting you to give him total control of your life. Can I tell you, when God comes in your house, you're gonna have the best life you could ever have. There's not a better life than living for God. There's not a better thing than having the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your life. Can I challenge somebody right now? Why don't you just slip your hands up into the air for just a moment. If God's been dealing with you, if God's been knocking on your door, if God's been calling you. Come on, palace of praise. This is not just for guests today and. Somebody who doesn't have the Holy Ghost, God's also calling on some of us to make a deeper commitment to Him to move some things out of the way, to open some other doors into other areas of our life because we put Him in the living room, but God's wanting to get into the bedroom and God's wanting to get into every room in our house and in our home. Come on, let's pray. Come on. Come on. The only thing that stands between you and totally receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a decision. Come on. You need to make a decision this morning. You need to make a choice. Come on. Put your hand on the door. It's really easy. Just let God into your life. Come on. Open up yourself right now. Come on. Repent. It's the opening of the door. Just repent. God, I'm sorry. Oh, God, I need you, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry for everything, God, that I've let get between me and you, God. Lord, I want you.